This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, Trouble D looking for TNS Tonic and Trust Trophy and Fox in the box seat at United. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duthie. And podding along beside me today are Alan Temple. Hello. Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. And last but not least, George Cran. Hello. Saved you at the end, George, yeah, because thanks. what's happening? With what? You know. Another the home country. defeat. Another home defeat. Right, you yeah. don't avoid <laughs> the big issues, George. <laughs> There might be a mini-budget tomorrow, but there's a big crisis just now. Dundee lost the game, yeah. Oh, it's a crisis! It could have been worse. I mean, the, the other team... <laughs> it could have been other, worse. It could have been worse. They've got, no, they got no out the points they and they lost no three goals. Yeah, I can vouch for the fact it could have been worse after <laughs> <I've> been through it. <laughs> and their captain got sent off. He did, for the second Again. game running. Yeah, two games in a row he's been sent off. Um, uh, so apart from that... It's going great. It's going great. <laughs> Picked a good time to come back. Um, yeah, obviously, I I was still away, so I wasn't at Dens Park on Saturday. It's still your fault. I know. Watching the highlights, though, the goals I could see were dreadful. They were classic Dundee, I think. Uh, I wrote, well, I was writing in my column this week that everything changed when I came back from holiday there was a new monarch there was a new prime minister but Dundee are still defending the way Dundee have defended for oh it's good you can rely on months. some things exactly because eh? <laughs> um, yeah so I, some of the goals the, the second goal I, I have no idea what was happening between Jordan Marshall and goalie ha- Harry Sharp um, must have been some sort of miscommunication or, or I don't know but it was a com- complete I was going to say a bad word there, but I would have to bleep that out, and that's more work in the editing suite, so I'm not going to say that. But uh, yeah, it's not the result I was expecting when I was watching the goals come in, because Dundee have been okay lately, but then they've lost to Partick, deservedly, they lost to Air, deservedly, and they've lost to Inverness, who are all ahead of them now. And the next three games after the cup match are three on the road. Which might be a good thing, because Bear, it seems, it, it was ever thus, Dundee fans suffer at Dens. <laughs> exactly. And there's, there's two things with a defeat. One, it's a defeat, which is bad enough, but it's a defeat at Dens. Again. You know, and we just can't keep that, keep that going. And they will keep it going if they keep losing goals the way they did. George was right. First game, Patrick Thistle deserved to lose. Against there, I thought, it was Ixie Pixie and Dundee scored the second bit, yeah. goal. Dundee had got their nose in front, it might be different. But this one was slightly different. Dundee should have won that game, and it basically boils down, down to poor defending. They started the game really well, had a good shape to them. Inverness offered very little, uh, as you might expect, but you know, they were, they, they were looking, they've had a, they had a bit of a shaky start themselves mm. to the, the new campaign. Um, but Dundee looked well on top and, and deservedly went in front. And then. As Dundee do, you know, they just lose bad goals. I mean, uh, Big Ashcroft has been immense since he came back, but a miscontrol in the box. And I've got to say, uh, is it Cami Harper? Is that the, the yeah. young lad's name? Some finish. Uh, breaks at the edge of the box and he side foots it. It was a terrific yeah. finish, you know, gave the keeper no chance. So, quality finish, you can accept that. The goal before half time, George is right. I'm not sure what Jordan Marshall is thinking about. He's really... Jordan Marshall has got the situation under control. The ball breaks into the box. He's got the pace and the ability to to, to get in front of the attacker, mm. take that ball back, ask his keeper to come and get it. You come and take it. And if the keeper doesn't come and take it, he's still in command of the situation. Yeah. He can turn left and can knock up the park. But he just stands, points to Harry Sharp, says, come and get it. Harry Sharp makes a rash decision. Come, He, he comes for it. But it's about four or five yards wide at the post the one thing he doesn't want to do is go down at the striker's feet because as strikers all often do they get a toe poke in there and the striker saw him come and gets a mm. toe to it Harry Sharp goes down belly kick boom and Dundee find themselves 2-1 down at half time when they should really be in front in that game 
Second half starts. I've got to say, Inverness had a fantastic chance right at the start of the second half. It was a big scramble in the box and how it didn't end up in the back of the Dundee net, I don't know. But then Dundee build their, their way back into the game again. You know, get back back on level terms. Uh, I, I was I was chuffed for Paul McMullen getting a goal because so often that, and these I things... I think it's been taken off him, I think. I, I think it's going to Joe Grayson, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but I was his shot, but I looked as it was going towards the net anyway and it hits Joe Grayson and, and goes in, but so often it hits the defender and comes out as far as McMullen's concerned. And from that point on, you think, Dundee are going to go on and win this game, mm. you know? They look, they look as though they've got it in them to go and do that. Um, but strangely, I, 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 they still created chances. There's no doubt about that. And they were, they were the team on top. But Inverness, Tom, seemed to pose more of a threat in that last half hour than they'd done previously in the game. They were looked up and, and they looked dangerous at times. Dundee were a bit more exposed. Um, Gary Boyer made a few changes. Uh, I think it helped. I think uh, certainly uh, Paul McGowan coming on. Uh, I think Zach Rudden for Zach Robinson, I'm not so sure about. Uh, obviously, Robinson was maybe feeling the pace a wee bit, but he'd done well up to that point. But it was always a case, when you got to the last 10 minutes, I think it was a case the game could go either way. Mm. Um, and I've got as bad defending as Dundee were for that third goal. Uh, you've got to take your hat off to the lad, Cameron Harvard. Fin- another fantastic finish. But you can't, you can, he's, no. he's already stopped one in from the edge of the I know, box. You can't but, just let I mean, him shoot. I, I, so. I mean, to get one goal in a game, well, a terrific finish, you know, it would be good. But to get two yeah. of that sort of quality, you know, it was a sore one for Dundee to take. And yeah, it's, it's a tough one for Dundee, Tom, because Dundee's come into this division. They've been rightly pinpointed as favourites to win this league. But you know what they've done over the last, you know, six or seven games, the defeats, what it does, it starts chipping away, chipping, chipping, chipping at Dundee's mm. confidence, Dundee's you know, favourites tag. And what it also does, it adds to every other team in that league now go, well, maybe they're not as good as, as, as they think yeah. they are. And it's a difficult one for Gary Boyer. I think the problem he has at the moment, I, I know he'd like players in, but you look at his team, there's no doubt they've got the, the strongest squad in that league. I looked at the bench on Saturday and mm. some of the players, you know, McGowan, McGinn, they've got Zach Rudden, they've got Sheridan, They've got two or three other first-team players that, that would walk into any other team, you would think. And I think, that's a, well, it's good for Gary Boyer. It's a problem in as much as, what is my best team here? And he's still got to find it, but they'll have to find it quickly because they need to start picking up points. And at, at, at this moment in time, look as though they're going to make a, you know, a, a, a wide-open race for the championship. And that's not what Dundee should be looking to do. Alan and I are sitting here having a silent game of X. And yeah, sorry, so I've heard this all before. before. <laughs> You mentioned <laughs> Dundee lose bad goals. Just from my memory, and I look at the I look at the league table here for this season. Last season, they also lost the big games. This season, they've now lost to three of the four teams above them. You would you could argue they won a big game when they beat Arbroath circumstances suggest that that's maybe not going to be the biggest, it's going to be a different season for our growth, time will tell. But if if you lose bad goals and you lose the big games, it really isn't the recipe for promotion, is it? No, it's not. It's not. And that's something that, you know, Gary Boyer, as much as he's keen to get a striker and he's going to have to, he's going to, have to get the defensive situation sorted out. Um, I don't know uh, what's happened to Big Ryan Sweeney, player of the year last year, and rightly so for some outstanding performances, but he seems to have lost a bit of confidence mm. in, in himself. I don't know if it's because he's had different partners playing alongside him, um, but he's just looked a shadow of, of himself. He, 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 quite frankly, looks like a wee bit like a bomb scare at this point in time, and it shouldn't, shouldn't, it shouldn't be like that. Uh, I have a bit of sympathy for him getting sent off, and as much as when... <laughs> when he was shown the yellow card, that was when Dundee were pressing to get an equaliser and Big Ashcroft had been stuck up the part, so he was exposed at the back. The lad was quite clever and, you know, going in front and then just going down. And I think it was a soft one, but, you know, I would expect the referee to pull out a card out of it. Yeah, and that's just that's just the way it is. But maybe it may be the case that uh, Gary Boyer will have to bring French in and, and Ashcroft and see how that, how that works. Um, they, need, they, need, they need to cut out the bad goals. When Dundee got promoted albeit via the playoffs, I think in that, you know, last dozen games or mm. so, they must yeah. have had about eight or nine clean sheets. Yeah, they did. 
And they were able to able to get through games when you weren't playing well, when you weren't scoring goals, you would get one, that would be enough. And that's what they need to do at mm. this point in time because they're far too open. And as I say, at, at this stage, it's anybody's league to win because Dundee are, are leaking goals. Mm. I wonder if there's a problem with the consistency in that back line because the personnel has changed so yeah, consistently. Over the last four or five games, you can point at the centre-back pairing, which has changed, obviously, due to suspensions and, uh, and other things. And then even Jordan Marshall coming back um, and making a high-profile error. There just seems to be a lot of um, tumultuousness in terms of the team selection. And if you're looking to build understanding in a new side, especially in front of a young goalkeeper, I wonder if all those things can meld and create a situation mm-hmm. where you have a, a deg- that degree of, of nervousness and, uh, and lack of assurance because maybe more than any other position on the pitch, defence is the one that you need to look at the guy beside you and know what they are going to do, know what their strengths are, know what their weaknesses mm-hmm. are. And you do wonder until Dundee United, uh, sorry, until Dundee find that... I know, I said it that way. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed. Uh, until... <laughs> You do wonder until Dundee find that that four um, that, that they can rely on and trust, and they can build a a coherent, you know, unit. Mm-hmm. Is this going to continue? Mm-hmm. I just wonder if it's you know you've spoken about the back four. Harry Sharp has been a consistent in, in goal all season, and while he's he's done well, I still get the feeling that the players in front of him aren't one hundred percent. Yeah. Sure of what Harry is doing as well. and where he is and, and what the situation is. I is wonder there, is, if, if this week yeah. is the time to maybe give Adam Le- I'm sure he, he must be thinking about giving Adam Leisner a run in the cup tie on mm. Friday night. But there has been a few times where there's been a bit of hesitation, I think, mm-hmm. when a ball drops between kind of in that kind of middle ground where yeah. no one's quite sure what they're doing. And, and maybe that's something. He's a young goalie. I mean, he's in his first yeah. full season. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of. Is there also an issue that I mean, Legson did have a few bad goals chalked up against him uh, last season? But he is a he's a leader at the he's back. Very isn't loud. He? Yes, we noticed when the when there was no fans in the stands, you could hear them. He was he's shouting at wingers and stuff. He, he, he drives hear, yeah. them on, doesn't he? And he that's does. a you can't expect that from. I I think Young Sharp looks a great prospect, but. Does it add to the temptation, the fact? I mean, all over the pitch, do they have enough leaders right now? Well, that, I'm, I'm concerned, well, talking about Ryan Sweeney, he is the, the club captain this season, and I am wonder whether that's part of mm-hmm. why he's kind of dropped off his levels a wee bit, because he's having to think about other stuff, and he's a bit more responsibility. Um, whether that's affected his form, and then that has a kind of snowball effect with other people. Um, they they have a kind of leadership group that started at the start of the season, which is Sweeney, Cammy Kerr, and Adam Legstons. So Legstons hasn't been in the team at all, and Cammy dropped out of the team on Saturday. Which was a surprise, was it not? I think it was G- a given what Alan yeah. just said yeah. rightly about yeah. you know I mean you've got nobody knows that league better than Cammy, yeah. and it it gives you a bit of consistency of selection. Yeah. And I've got. A, a, as much as I think that I see what Gary Boy was trying to do, and I think he wanted to try uh, Tyler French at right back. I think Tyler French maybe offers going uh, offers a bit more than Cami in the forward sense, but there's no doubt that Cami Kerr is a is a better defender than, than Tyler French. Tyler French gets himself into, into bad situations, but gets himself out of bad situations yeah. because he is lightning quick. <laughs> but it's still he still looks exposed at times on the flank, and Cami really gets into that situation. But I can see why the manager. Wanted to have a go at that, but I was very surprised that, that he, he left him out to him because he'd been playing well. And that for me, that's that's a no no. If you've got yeah. a player who's doing well and you leave him at the team, that you know, I think mm-hmm. that's you know, I could get in a player's mind sometimes. Something that strikes me when I've seen French as well is he's a good he's a good player to have taken the ball out in the middle of the park. Mm-hmm. He strikes me, Can I mean, yeah. he, he, I, I, I don't think he's the strongest defender, but hopefully Dundee are going to have most of the ball. And it's good to have him on the ball coming out from the back and starting moves. Yeah, he showed that with that amazing run he had. Which game was it? Um, was it Arbroath? Arbroath. Yeah, Arbroath. When, when he stormed up the, the entire yeah. pitch because he's so quick. Uh, uh, I think... He's quick, but he seems, he seems very yeah, calm, calm on the ball. Yeah, 
I think he's very I've, aware I've, of I what's around him and I've, uses it. I think he's been a really good addition. Uh, Must have been, I, I would have said it would have been French and Ashcroft or Sweeney. Would, would be a, if they were playing a back four. That'd be my choice as well. We'd, we'd, with Ashcroft. Uh -huh. Which are, nothing against Ashcroft and, and Sweeney in terms of overall, but again, I go back to surely Dundee are thinking we we want to dominate mm -hmm. possession. That gives you French mm -hmm. helps give you that. Yeah, it might be, a, better, might be solid a, defenders. It might be a better combination. And as much as you get you get one guy who's absolutely dominant. And, yeah. and going and winning the ball and you have another guy who has got a lot of pace in yeah. there to, to get out of sticky situations yeah. and we've seen that going years time when, when clubs used to play not with double centre half which seems the way they do nowadays but with a centre half and a sweeper yeah. covering behind them Aye. so there, well it's going to be kind of forced into that I think over the next couple of weeks because Sweeney's suspended now for two games so because he's got his red card and six bookings already <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good for Sky or, or uh, for the BBC to turn around you, hello, six, six boots. Yeah, exactly. Top of the league in something anyway, John. That's <laughs> so he's picked up a band for that as well. So it's after red Friday. Card and he's going to know he's off for Christmas by, <laughs> by October. Get the break. Uh, one so thing that Dundee shouldn't lose sight of and the fans shouldn't lose sight of it, they actually played... Have you watched that game? Nah, they played very. The chances they looked like they missed. They the played chances, very yeah. well. They defended poorly and were yeah. punished, and that should be a lesson for them. But if they can keep that level of performance up, and just tighten up ten percent at the back, they'll win more games than they lose. Well, the, the next three matches, sorry, Helen, are the bottom three in the table, so oh, they need to be going. I know, put the judge. pressure up. I was going to say just on that topic of having a semblance of uh, of perspective. You know, people got hung up on the league positions and the fact that Dundee are no longer in the playoff positions. But seven games into the season isn't a time to get hung up on league positions. It's a time to look at the points differentials, and they're still four points off the top of the league. Yeah, four points is absolutely nothing. So, a sense of perspective um, is is required, and you would like to think that of all the things that can go wrong at a team, a coach will fancy himself to fix a defence mm. speak to any manager they'll say the, the one thing you can sort is organisation shape and being kind of stoic and hard to break down the harder thing is creating a team that cuts open the opposition and creates lots of chances Dundee are doing that so a little bit a little bit of back to basics should set Dundee on on a pretty sound footing you would reckon and Gary Boyer will fancy himself to do that I would say and there isn't a, we've talked about it at the start, there isn't a hearts to run away with it at this no. stage already. Ayr got beat for the first time at the weekend. Interesting to see how they react to that. And partly we're tuning up with, what, 10 minutes to go, 15 minutes to mm -hmm. go against Cove, who have been really struggling. And there's all sorts of stuff going on off the field at Partick yeah, as well. Fan stuff, yeah, stuff. You would imagine that's going to, at some point this season, maybe trickle onto the pitch in terms of mm -hmm. having an effect. So it doesn't feel like, even though Dundee are not quite, at the stage they want to be, they're not falling too far behind an other team that's run away from them, basically. But being Dundee fans, <laughs> from a consolation, <laughs> we can find a frustration bear. Is the frustration not you look at these three games they lost and Dundee could have made a big statement in the first seven games. That's that's what that's what was touching on in, in the fact that they go on into this campaign with a big badge, we are favourites. And if you've got that, you've got to carry that cross. Yeah. But if you take it on and win, you know, your first five or six games, as we saw Hearts doing under Robbie, other teams are already starting to think about playoff slots. You know, what goes has gone the other way with Dundee. Up, when Hearts went yeah. up and when United won the yeah. truncated, by this time of the season, by the start of October, most other clubs in the league were going, we're not catching them. No. If you spoke, spoke to guys you knew at various clubs, it was yeah. privately... They trusted you not to say no blab publicly. With we're no catching no, them. They're too strong. Absolutely. And, and and that's my frustration is, and it's the way. It, it, as Alan rightly said, it's far too early in the season to be pressing panic buttons. But there is a there's an air of frustration, yeah. and it maybe grows with you know this being okay. They've got this game down in not Wales, but it's a Welsh team. But there's, there isn't a league game and you want another league game and there isn't another league game. So you're you're festering on this thinking, I certainly am. I, I look at that table and I see Partick, Ayr and Inverness, Cali, and I thought, oh God, Dundee could be above them. Mm. And it's the way they've lost the games yeah. that's so frustrating. Yeah, and as I say, 
well, well, sort of, you're taking the hit, other teams are taking encouragement from the fact that you are taking hit. That's just a fact of life. You know, that's, that's, that's as I say, but Dundee are going to have to live, live with that. It's going to be difficult. Three away games coming up, Hamilton. Dundee aren't known for, you know, picking up points on a regular basis mm-hmm. at Hamilton. They go to Cove on, on the plastic pitch. They then go away to our both difficult, you know, so now's the time to stand up and, and, and say, well, yeah, you know what, we are favourites for the team. We're going to show it and we're going to pick up, you know, seven points out of nine wouldn't be a bad return from those games, I, I would suggest, certainly, considering what they've picked up from the first seven games. So we'll see. But as as uh, Alan's alluded to, I'm sure that Gary Boyer will be working on the biggest problem that the face is giving away soft goals. But before all that, George... As I say, you're not going to Wales. <laughs> not quite. Close, but... You might be if you take that a little road. That road, <laughs> I, 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 I was down a few seasons ago. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure of the geography of Oswestry, but I was down at a pre-season with United at uh, Shrewsbury, and the way I came back, you were in and out of Wales. You, just, you got dizzy after, the road just kept snaking in and out <laughs> until you got up to about Chester. So you yeah. might get into Wales, but the actual game is... At, across the border in England yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it I have to say I mean Alan gets his trips to Amsterdam and Spain and I get nearly Wales um, well as I was saying but, as we were coming in here do this there's bound to be a statue of Ian Woosnam there <laughs> <laughs> that's all I know about it yeah well actually I was having a look this would be Dundee's first competitive match outside Scotland since Perugia so it's been a while it's been a while I'm not going to Oswestry <laughs> Um, were you in Prussia beer? Yes. Remember, a, remember the fans? Lit, were you still there when the fans lit fires? On the, they gathered up all the rubbish after the final whistle, uh, and the wee piles of the Italian fans can, and lit fires and can, sat there for a while. I can just remember it being the freezing. Italians, the Italian uh-huh. fans. It was just freezing. I mean, we Dundee fans would be around those fires because everybody <laughs> had shorts and t-shirts on, and it must have been about <laughs> minus two up in Prussia. But. Uh, that's a long time. Yeah. That's a long time. And, and okay, you can maybe laugh and joke that, you know, it's, it isn't the UEFA Cup we're playing in, but it'll be a good one for Dundee. I think it's a good game for Dundee, actually. Something on, completely on, different. On, on the back of, you know, yeah. the, the Partick, uh, sorry, the, the, the game against Inverness. And I think it's also an opportunity for Gary Boyer. Uh, uh, even if Dundee had been going quite well and had won the Inverness, I would imagine he would have been looking to make changes in this game and get some minutes into the guys who haven't had mm. minutes and I think it's important to do that well at the same time trying to find you know some sort of uh, solidity in his back four uh, something that he can take on in the next uh, crucial league games no, the, the, there will be a threat though in you sense they're good at home they, well they're used to winning obviously in their league they're the only full-time team in Wales they've they drew their first game but they've won the f- five since they won 7-0 at the weekend Score a lot of goals. Declan McManus, you'll know Alan, is, is their top scorer. But they also won their... They beat Linfield in the Champions League at home mm-hmm. in their qualifier. Uh, they drew 0-0 with that Icelandic team that knocked them out of the Conference League. Last season, they beat Victoria Pilsen at home good, in good Europe. Start. Who mm-hmm. are this Declan season... Declan McManus scored a couple in that today. tie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they are this season in the Champions League group stage playing against Barcelona, Bayern Munich and Inter Milan. So there are no mugs, and they beat them four two. So, so what you're saying is this is going to be a confident, <laughs> confident, interesting <laughs> win for Dundee. It could be if if Dundee win it. I think it would be. Um, it would be a good win. Eh? It, Although George is doing his best to threaten the life of every Dundee fan. I mean, they're they're an ambitious team as well. Yeah. Like uh, obviously, Declan McManus. I was on the, the Dunfermline beat when the New Saints bought him from Dunfermline and it was my understanding that they put down about 30 grand for him you know which is right. a Wikipedia not, says 60 so I don't know interesting so it's um, that was Gus Allen Alan knows 30 grand to multiply that by two <laughs> you know what it's Headline. like uh, we'll put it this way if there's, if there's any uh, if there's any goal bonuses or anything then he, he definitely has hit that so perhaps yeah. the fees increased since then but it's you know they're an ambitious team they've spent a wee bit of money and they do have those kind of European experiences and aspirations. Mm. So, yeah, people are sniffy about this competition, but this one particular tie is a really testing one. And if Dundee win it, then they should absolutely take confidence from it because I've got no doubt at all the New Saints are a better team than, for example, a Morton or a Cove Rangers. Mm. I, I don't say I'd no doubt. I don't watch them every week. I would suspect mm. they are a better team than, say, a Morton or a, or a Cove Rangers. I think it'd be really interesting to see. They feel like a team that, on these big games, they can put in a performance. 
Um, obviously, I don't think they have to do that every week in the, in the Welsh. What sort of what sort of attendances do they get at their games, George? Uh, their ground holds two thousand, so a thousand seats. Interesting. I'm just wondering how I mean, many fans are there. many home fans turn up? Just the yeah. curiosity factor of playing a team from Scotland. Be a few. Yeah, they've done quite well. well they got the semi final one year in this mm. competition a few years back. Beat my team, Queen of the South. Jordan Marshall was playing that day. That was an English derby then if they beat <laughs> Queen of the South, George. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do that. It's in my contract. <laughs> anyway, time, and more importantly, George will tell, so watch out for his report from one of his rare trips back home to England, <laughs> which is really Wales, if you see what I mean. Right, on to United, and maybe before we get into the serious business of talking football, we'll get rid of the rubbish first. United fans making noises during the minute silence at Ibrox last week wasn't clever. Discuss. Uh, yeah, I think everybody's sort of treading on eggshells here where we're going to go with this. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, didn't look good. Didn't sound good. Did we probably expect it? Probably. You know, because there are some fans, a minority I have to say, which, which you know, spoil it for everyone, you know, in, in this situation. I'm of the opinion, I always go to games, Tom, to watch the football. There are times, and more often than not these days, where, you you know, you're asked to show my respect. It seems to be, I've got to say, sadly, every second week at games, you mm. know, when you're going in and there's, there's a minute's silence for someone. But I always feel, if, if you can't show that respect, then don't go into the arena. Stand outside, make your protest there. Don't go in and, and make a noise. But sadly... If some morons decide to do that, and uh, you know why why they do that, they just do it to goad the home support. Yeah, you know, and sadly, it, it, it looks bad for the club. But I find it as difficult as difficult to see what the club can actually do without pinpointing these people mm -hmm. and actually banning them from going to to games at Tannadice as well. You know, it's it's a really difficult one, not just for Dunedin because it happens in various scenarios. Yeah. Um but it, it's tough, and it was. You know, it's it's sadly, you know, it, it puts a wee sort of it's a it's a bad thing for for a club like Dunedin to to be showcased across Britain. I think that's what happens, and and at this point in time, you know, everything that was going on at that game prior to kickoff was 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 shown nationally, and that's that's not a good position for Dunedin to be in. I think it would have been foolish to expect that silence to pass off. Um, without any jeering. That's uh, for numerous reasons. One of them, to, because of the location, because it's Ibrooks, because it's Rangers supporters, there was an element of wanting to noise up the mm. opposition. There's also the fact that although it is, in theory, being, respe you know, being respectful towards one person's death, there is a heck of a lot wrapped up uh, politically. Um, in these shows of of respect um, in the perspective of, of some people. So, again, that would potentially cause people to want to show protest, to want to say, I don't support the monarchy, I don't support, this isn't my politics, but that sort of thing. It's when you get to the, 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 the distasteful chanting, which was a, a minority on top of the minority. I think that's important to, to point out. This wasn't an entire Dundee United section that was singing the, the song that's been pretty well documented. That was the bit that I, I don't think anybody can argue wasn't distasteful. It wasn't, it wasn't a song about the royal family, the monarchy, the institution. It wasn't political. It was a song about one person's death, which... Um, wasn't wasn't a great look. I don't think. I, I think most people would would agree with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, all told, it wasn't a wasn't a great spectacle. And you then have allegations of you know the Dundee United fans getting pelted by missiles from the Rangers fans. It's uh, all told a really really unedifying spectacle. And was a shame that that's how an otherwise relatively positive ninety minutes begun. Yeah. I'd, I get what you're saying, and hey, you mentioned politically. I'll say it right here. I'm a lifelong Republican, but you, things like that, you cut back. You cut back to the basic fact: a 96-year-old woman died. Hmm. And if you can't, you can't respect that. You need to take a look at yourself. You don't respect yourself. You don't, and you don't respect your fellow United fans 
or whatever club it is. I just thought it was very, very yeah. sad that people can't put aside differences for one minute and just respect that other other people wanted to have it. Just be quiet. Mm-hmm. Just move on. I think it gets forgotten by some fans as well that as well as the the players on the pitch and the management uh, and all that, they're also representing their football club. Yeah. And th- there's a way to behave when, particularly when you're in such a kind of, you don't get many fans at Ibrox in their way stand. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are there representing you as a representative of your club, even if you're not officially kind of a staff member or anything like that. So that has to be remembered. It was just distinct lack of class I thought yeah it was a and poor show and they've let down a lot of people they've let down let their fellow United fellow fans, fans as well. yeah. who, who would have whatever they thought of the, the, exactly. the Queen they would have, they would have if it had been at Tannerice would have been quiet yeah. and it's poor so and they don't they actually don't deserve as much time as we've given them yeah, quite frankly it's my opinion and there's there, there's there's a lot more to talk about at Dundee United that, that we should be talking about so let's move on strangely enough just before you go oh, you just mentioned let's not move just, on just <laughs> there. I would just suspect that I had the game being played at Tarnlice there would have been silence yeah right. and that's, that's I think so too uh, I think it was, there's a reason, uh, it was a lot of it was a wind up there's a reason yeah. the first thing I mentioned was the noising up element of the Rangers supporters I think there was a there's an element of putting yourselves in the shoes of the, some of the Dundee United fans, there's an element of we've had to listen to certain types of songs, we've had to put yeah. up with certain types of treatment from mm. this fan base for as long as we've been coming to Ibrooks. On this occasion, we are going to noise them up in the way that will wind them up the most, almost any scenario you can possibly imagine. Yeah. I think it's impossible to overstate yeah. what a big element that was. Yeah, there is, there is a lot of irony there, but again... As they get older, strip things down to the basics. United fans are better than that. And they should have seen beyond the chance to wind up people who get away with the tasteful songs themselves. But don't 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 reduce yourself to that level. But unfortunately, a very few did, and it wasn't good. And if nothing else is a done and I was upset. I must admit, I just thought it just wasn't the wasn't a nice thing to do. But anyway, talking of nice things, Alan, are you just going to name Liam Fox as manager? Oh, somebody <laughs> needs to do that. <laughs> we know he's the manager. Just say it! <laughs> Not you, you're right. Well, first of all, let me apologise to anyone who had the volume turned up. <laughs> <laughs> was, um, Am I right grumpy mood this week? On, as I, I speak, it's 1.42 on, on Thursday. And as yet, things haven't been signed, sealed and delivered in terms of Liam Fox being the Dundee United manager. But I think it's fair to say of the four candidates that were interviewed and Q rolled eyes across Tayside, but interviews did take place. Kevin Thompson, Dean Holden, Carl Robinson, we believe the other people spoken to. Liam Fox has emerged as the, the preferred candidate and he's the preferred candidate for, I think numerous fairly obvious reasons he's in the building the players know and like him he's done okay in the three games so far and he is affordable and again you know that that sometimes sounds like a you know a fancy way of, of saying what fans will say which is oh we've gone for the cheap option that's absolutely not what I mean I just mean that there are financial realities when you've paid off a highly paid experienced manager 10 weeks into a two-year contract and Dundee United are operating on those financial realities. That's not a criticism, it's just the way it is. And bringing somebody in from out with the building um, could perhaps be a a more expensive um, prospect. We understand that Stevie Crawford, someone the club have targeted potentially as uh, an assistant boss. Um, They know each other well, um, work together Briefly, I think it hurts. Um, I'm doing that one off the top of my head, but they certainly do have a, a good working relationship with with each other. And I know Stevie really well from, from covering for a long time when he was Dunfermline manager. And he is a top, top coach. I'm very high on Stevie Crawford, particularly with his work. And this <laughs> might make some Dunfermline fans laugh because it wasn't always replicated on the pitch. But if you're an attacking player, if you like creativity, um, Players rave about his sessions in terms of the work he does with attacking players, former striker himself. Um, so 
I would, if I had to put my heart down somewhere, I would suggest that that's the management team going forward. Um, and I don't think it's a bad one, sticking my neck out. I don't think it's a management team that gets Dundee United relegated. I also understand that it's probably not a management team that has Dundee United fans climbing the walls in excitement. But as I've already stated, we're dealing in a, a world of realities right now. And after what has been a borderline disastrous start to the season... Um, these are the, uh, the realities of the situation. So um, it remains to be seen um, when that's all happens. It remains to be seen. Um, remains to be seen when the appointment's confirmed. But we would certainly expect it um, relatively imminently. Imminently, if it's not the end of this week, then perhaps the the early stages of of, of next week. And Bear, as we know all too well, with the appointment of Tam Courts, United have had success through appointing from within. So if Leo Fox has done well at his interview, and more importantly, he's done relatively well on the pitch since he's been in charge, makes sense. Yeah, well, I think it was important. Um, obviously, you got through Saturday's game at Ibrox um, with some sort of performance. Obviously, getting a result is maybe over and above what we could have expected. But, you know, as things turned out, they might well have got a result. But going back to the actual, his job prospects themselves... Um, yeah, I think I think it would be good a good appointment. Um, you know, Tom Courts when Tom Courts was appointed, everybody thought, what what are they doing here? You know, but Tom Courts proved that. You know, the players liked him. They understood what he was, the message he was getting across. They performed well on the part. Most importantly, that's that's the bottom line. Um, and, and you get you get the sense that the players at Tandice. Although they, you know, Tom, they're there to play football. They're not there to pick teams. But the players would be quite happy if Liam Fox was given this gig. Um, and then it would be up to them to show what, what they can actually do. Um, but for me, uh, the last four or five months at Tandice, it's, you know, has been a very expensive road they've gone down to get to this point. Very yeah. expensive. And Alan touches on the fact people will say that Liam Fox is the cheap op option and he probably is with other people that have been interviewed but United don't have a bottomless pit of cash to throw yeah. about and the cheap option may not be the worst option in this, po this point in time. Mm. The players know Liam Fox. It will be a continuation of, of something they had probably before and as I say, it's now up to them. You know, there's good players at Tardis. They're on, they're on decent money. They've now got to get themselves out of this situation they're in it's you know it's, it's by no means insurmountable that they can they can get themselves away from the foot of the table with the quality they have at the club but they now need to go and show it they now need more performances like the one they had at Ibrox on Saturday picking up points hopefully than the ones that went previously under Jack Ross I mean in purely literal terms Tam Quartz was the cheap option you know if we're going to do in, in the purely literal sense he was probably the cheapest manager Dundee United could possibly have hired that was able to do the job. And he happened to be the right manager. He got them into Europe. He finished fourth. It was a good appointment. The inverted commas cheap option can also happen to be the right option. Yeah. And that is what Dundee United will certainly be hoping for. And I think there's a degree of confidence in the building that that will prove to be the case. I think something's quite interesting that came up when, when Liam Smith was was speaking to us the, the other day as he was pointed out maybe delved a little bit more now that Tam's away than if perhaps some players would feel comfortable delving in when when the manager's in, uh, when the former manager's in place. But was talking about how Liam used to do quite... Sorry, Liam Fox, I should say, when we're discussing two Liams. Uh, Liam Fox used to do quite a lot of the on-field coaching ahead of matches under Tam Courts. Tam Courts very much picking the team, a real tactical mind. I think we can all see that, that you know, that Tam Courts is a, the way that he set up against Rangers and Celtic and, and got some big results in big games. Clearly a good tactical mind. Liam Fox, perhaps more the man that actually managed to translate that and coach that into the players in such a way that the, they understood what they were going for. They they could put those theories into practicalities when the, the Saturday comes. So... It's evident that Liam Fox already does a hell of a lot of the practical coaching and has been doing a lot of the practical coaching for a long time before this season um, and through much of the, the Tam Courts reign, which was very, very 
successful. I think in retrospect, it was, you know, some fans complained about it, but by God, they would kill for a, yeah. a, a slightly um, <laughs> a turgid crawl towards fourth place. Be this careful season. what you wish for springs yeah. to mind. So it, it'll be interesting. And, and I guess the question that that bodes is, is Liam Fox also that tactical mind or do they need to bring in somebody that um, can perhaps fulfill a little bit of what Tam Quartz was doing? Um, the, a little bit more of the, the studious tactical analytical stuff. Um, whether that's Stevie Crawford, whether that's somebody else, um, that remains to be seen. But if you're going to talk about the, the positives of how that managerial team worked out last season, then you also need to touch on what that could perhaps be missing now that Tam Quartz isn't there. And that is that slightly you know, analytical, tactical mind. And I don't know whether Liam Fox has that. He's, he's only been a manager once and it didn't go very well. Um, so uh, we'll see if, if that's something that he has in his locker or whether that's perhaps something that, that for example, a Stevie Crawford could bring to the table. And it's, Alan, we, we were speaking about it, well, these two were swanning off on their holly bobs. <laughs> we were speaking about it last week. If he went to Ibrox and competed, it was hard to see past him. And he certainly did that, didn't he? I think they were very good against Rangers. I really do. Um, I do I fully understand, you know, we've got a piece up on the website today that you can read in terms of first seven games of league seasons. This is the worst opening seven games to, to league football Dundee United have ever endured in their history. That That is how low the, the bar now is. So I can understand fans saying rolling their eyes and perhaps saying, oh, well, it was another it was another defeat, still winless, still bottom of the league. But as a standalone fixture, without context, uh, the context of the rest of the, the, the six games that preceded it, this was, it was a very good performance. Ropey first 15, Rangers could have scored a couple, um, and then Ian Harks makes a mind-boggling decision to dally on the ball from a Dundee United corner. Um, after a decent period for D Dundee United, James Tavernier runs 60 yards in one fell swoop and cuts it back for Cholak and you're 1-0 down. That is just, that is not down to Liam Fox. That's down to Ian Harks for some reason thinking he's going to get five seconds on the ball at Ibrox. Mm -hmm. That's that's madness. That A coach can't can't fix that. That's why for, saying people don't want to be managed yeah. as well. Because if, if you picked a player who wouldn't do that, it would yeah. probably be Ian Harks. And then, you, and then Cholak's given too much space in the box to meet a cross. Cross should be better defended and three centre-half, someone should be tracking Cholak again. There's nothing wrong with the shape. It's the job people are doing within that shape, which wasn't good enough. However, if that game goes on five minutes longer, I'm convinced Dundee United equalise. Yeah. The Rangers were on the ropes. Ibrox was really nervy after three heavy defeats um, for their side. And, I mean, the referee blew the whistle when Dundee United had, I think, their second corner on the trot. It was The pressure was mounting. Rangers were wobbling and... I think they, they would just need five minutes longer. So there's lots to be positive about yeah. in that performance. Oh, just, was, just, just on that, the referee, I was listening to the game on the radio and it was a corner for Dundee United and the referee blew for full time. Mm. Here's a question for you. Had Rangers been pushing for a goal <laughs> and they had a corner, would the referee have blown for full time? He might have blown for a penalty. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't like to indulge in that sort of thing, but if it didn't, I mean, clearly the answer's no. It's just a question, I mean, I'm not saying what the answer is. Of course, of, of course they don't blow up. Can you, a referee is a human being. He doesn't want, there was, you know, there was a corner of 800 Dundee United fans that went tonto when the referee blew the full-time whistle. The referee doesn't want 47,000 to mm. go mental at him for blowing the whistle. So, of course, he just lets the corner get taken. It's the lesser of the evils. So, yeah, absolutely. There's no way that game ends when it ends. Um, I mean, let's not be silly. No guarantee Dundee United would have scored or created a chance from the corner. But, yeah, it does make you roll your eyes and go, aye, shocker. You know, and there's no, no getting away from that one. But it's... The other thing should be noted, Dundee United scored a super goal. You know, for anyone that's seen mm. it, the, the movement, the impact of Sadat, the you know, the kind of rugby style sweeping sideway pass, sideway pass, sideway pass to the you know, overlapping uh, Liam Smith. Just a really, really good goal. And from the the overall performance to the nature of the goal, to the way they pushed in the final stages, and just to the 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 professionalism of the players, which shouldn't be something we're hailing, but here we are. And the professionalism of the players to keep going when they went 2-0 down are all positive signs. But 
they, those positive signs need to become points now. They come back from international duty and United have home against St Johnston, Hibs, Aberdeen, go to Kilmarnock for a place uh, at a Hamden semi-final on the line. They then go up to Ross County, away to St Mirren. They have, United could not ask for a better run of fixtures and they need to put some serious points on the board. Otherwise, all this talk of positive signs mean absolutely nothing. But to digress completely, Bear, you're the only one old enough to remember this. Who was the referee who blew when the ball was in mid-flight from a corner in a World Cup? Oh, was it not the Welsh guy? Ah, you spoiled it. I was going to say, George, unlike <laughs> TNS... He actually is really well. <laughs> I was the just as well. because you said I wouldn't know. Who was it? It was Clive Thomas. Clive was Thomas. Was, you know what? I, for the life of me, I cannot remember the two countries. It was the 78 World Cup. They scored, didn't they? Aye, yeah, the ball came over yeah. and the guy headed it in the net and ran away to celebrate. And Clive, who could have probably got away with going, I was blown for full time after the ball went and said, no, 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 it was full time. Yeah. I, suppose, I suppose the referee... I suppose the referee technically does the right thing. Yeah. And that he says, well, there's not time to take the corner and it causes all sorts of problems if I blow as soon as the ball's kicked. So it's done. But for give give me a whistle and it's a corner. I'm go I'm gonna let that corner yeah, be taken. Absolutely. And as soon as the ball's dead or so somewhere dead, yeah. or it's cleared yeah. into the, the middle of the park, that's when I blow my whistle because it's just it just, it was it's just safer. Brazil against Sweden, and it was Zico that scored the goal. Was it really? How have we not remembered? Oh. That was Zico. Disallowed. That was that was nifty. I wish I could use my phone that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give away the magic. <laughs> <laughs> that would have sounded like it just <laughs> popped into my head. Fantastic, Alan. Your knowledge is incredible. Alan put his, his hand to his forehead and thought for 30 seconds and came up with all these details and then checked it out on his phone. That's what I meant. No, but... To go back to United, it's, it's probably a good time for Liam Fox to be appointed. So why don't they just do it? I mean, this, I think... They do this, like to take their time. Yeah, I think the simple answer is I think they would like to announce their entire coaching staff at the same time is probably the answer to that. I think if Liam Fox is appointed Dundee United head coach as a singular announcement, everyone will shrug their shoulders mm. and go, I know. And I think there is a hope that um, from the Dundee United end that when an announcement is made, it is the announcement of an entire coaching staff, a coaching unit, um, and being a couple of appointments within that. Um, now that we've reported that, that Stevie Crawford is likely to be the assistant, I guess we're kind of spoiling their, their hopes for a, a surprise in that regard. But uh, at the same time, I think that's the, the simplistic answer is that the, the whole coaching team isn't together. And there's also complications in terms of getting Stevie Crawford in the building. I mean, East Fife are playing on Saturday. Uh, you know, he has contracted. He is the manager of another football club. So there's there's discussions that need to be made in that regard. So um, whether it's Friday, um, I'm sure now that the cat's out of the bag, East Fife would like some, probably like some clarity in terms of knowing whether or not their manager is no, going to be in charge. You know, in charge on Saturday or. Um, but I would expect either Friday or um, if Stevie is to take charge of, of East Fife on Saturday and, and an agreement can we come to perhaps um, the start of next week. But we're certainly getting there. We're, we're getting there. And, um, I, you know, the famous last he's, words... He's working with the players. Yeah, of course. I, I think that is the, the key thing to point out. This notion that, oh, we need to appoint the yeah. manager. It doesn't or, affect his job, exactly. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you're thinking, oh, we need to appoint a manager and need to be, get his message across to the players. Well, he's been getting his message across the players for two years. <laughs> you know, he's there, he's in the building. You know, so, um, yeah, I think there's um, 18 months, I should say, not two it's years. It's quite clever by United as well, though. I mean, because obviously, you know, Liam Fox has been part of the building for two years. But if they announced the new team, the new, if it is Stevie Crawford... If there is someone else going to be involved in, in that, that coaching team as well, it gives it a bit of freshness, exactly. doesn't it? That's it. That'll be the plan. That'll be the plan. And um, in the meantime, you can guarantee that Liam Fox is working with the players. He's drilling home his ideas. He's uh, This week in particular, they've been getting a good look at a lot of the younger players and a lot of the players that are still in the building um, following the international uh, call-ups. So, um, And then everyone will be sort of back full strength-ish towards the, the middle of next week and uh, to, looking towards the, the St Johnston um, sorry yeah looking towards the 
St. Johnston. St. Johnston, yes. Aye. Um, that's, so that's, um, that would be the, the lay of the land, uh, so to speak. And there's no sense of just because it's not been announced on a website that Liam Fox is somehow twiddling his thumbs and waiting to be given the nod. He is doing that hard work. Mm. He is getting his uh, message across to the, the best of his ability. And I'm looking forward to seeing, after that performance against Rangers, which no one expected them to get anything from, I'm looking forward to seeing what... A victory over well, the Fermers. Well, I'm looking, to seeing, I'm looking forward to seeing how Dundee United set up in a game where Liam Fox's only challenge isn't to stop the team from conceding loads of goals, yeah. which seems to have been his sole challenge after Jack Cross. Well, that's the cha- that kind of that box has kind of been ticked. Now yeah. let's see what's let, let's see how you do when you've got a home game and you're expected to win it. That'll be a really interesting um, next challenge. Great stuff. After this, something we didn't expect to see. And that something is, boys, didn't Scotland do well against Ukraine? <laughs> best best performance since Denmark? Yeah. Do you know, so. I thought that during the second half. Or even better, maybe, I don't know. Well, I mean, Denmark are a better team, obviously, but then again, <laughs> Scotland They'd had the... they qualified. Yeah, and Scotland had the kind of the ghost of... Uh, that defeat against Ukraine in the summer mm. to exercise and I don't know and in, the, in the context and yeah. Ireland yeah, I mean in the context there's maybe an argument that could be made for it being an even better performance it, it felt uh, watching the second half and seeing the chances hit the bar and hit the goalie and not go in it, it didn't feel like we were going to score I, I have to admit we played so well I didn't think we were going to get the and then reward. they did score and it didn't feel like they were going to stop yeah exactly so that was a bit different I, I thought first half we were decent bit toothless Knocked the ball about quite well, but no real kind of penetration. I think Ukraine were quite happy with the way they were defending. But as soon as John McGinn got his big bum involved, <laughs> sorted them out. Big bum McGinn. <laughs> that sounds like a song. <laughs> but, Beard, maybe another encouraging thing, that things didn't go all Scotland's way in the sense that young Patterson, right back, started the game really well. Got mm-hmm. injured and that that knocked him for ten minutes or so. But Hickey came it on. Did. They got back in their stride, it did, didn't they? And you know, I, I, I've only seen Aaron Hickey a few times playing mainly in international games. I, I would say, and I, I he thought he's about been, ten, by the way. Yeah, he <laughs> does does look exceptionally young. But I've, I thought he's been a bit behind, you know, Parson. But what I saw last night, tell you, you've got a right good player there who's mm. learning all the time, improving all the time. Mm-hmm. He looked comfortable on the ball. He looked clever enough to put a tackle in when he had to put a tackle in. He looked clever enough to jockey players when he had to jockey players. Um, so, yes, yeah, they have got a fair bit of strength and depth there within the pool and guys playing at a, a high level, you know, a, a, a across Europe, effectively. Um, but, no, I think, George, I think the overall performance was encouraging. It wasn't mm. just, you know, they, they got three goals and, and they got the points. I think the fact that, yeah, I mean, there was a flat period right at the start of the second half but after about 60 minutes, you know, they started really pressing well. And I suppose if you, if you put... These teams are technically very good. And if you give them space to build out from the back, they'll do it comfortably. If you don't press properly, they'll, they'll find holes in behind you. But if you do press with intensity, hmm. you saw them... The amount of times you saw Ukraine give away, yeah. giving the ball away. And that that's that's what... I mean, it's, it's poor possession from them, but it's because they're under pressure. It's because they're under pressure, Tam, and Scotland were mopping that up and attack after attack and like, like George said you didn't think the goals were going to come but I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm, I'm heartened by the fact they did get three goals although what I would say is uh, Lyndon Dykes to get one goal like that from a, a, a Ryan Fraser corner but to do exactly the same thing the second time you've got to be asking questions we're talking about Dundee's defence you've got to be asking questions about the Ukraine defence well, because you, interesting you see that yeah. Dykes said after the game it was Austin McPhee yeah. Ah right, yeah. Long-haired, but yeah, Austin yeah. McPhee told him before he, he's their set piece That's coach, right, yeah. and I I don't know if it was prior knowledge, but just from watching the game as well, mm. had said to him, start right. back and go towards the front yeah. post. And they say the, the the players seem to rate him very highly. Yeah, well, mm. well, well fair play to him pieces. for doing that, and fair play to Dice because you've still got to put the ball in the net. I think one might have come off his shoulder, but they both end up on the target and, and, and that's that's what they're there to do 
Um, let's give them a chance. I, I was listening to Stuart Armstrong, who speaks very well, of course. We know him at this. That's because I coached him. You coached him, Tom. Not in football. He, <laughs> does, <laughs> he sounds like a very. Indiction. Don't a, speak a, like a rare, me in other words. A rare breed among footballers, a very intelligent yeah. footballer. He speaks very well. And he pointed out that Scotland have, in previous campaigns, come on strongly. Now, they've got a bit of momentum going mm. into this Ireland game, and I'll tell you what, we're due Ireland one for that performance you know, in Dublin uh, you know, earlier on in the campaign. Yeah. So hopefully they can keep it going and give themselves a chance when they go to Ukraine next week. I want to add a little bit of love to that Aaron yeah. Hickey discussion because I remember, to bring it back to this parish slightly, yeah. I, I remember speaking to Craig Levine about Aaron Hickey when Hickey, I think, had maybe just made his debut for Hearts and he was Craig was speaking off the record about him and basically said... I don't know which is a stronger foot. I don't know what position I'm supposed to play him. I don't know what to do with this kid because he is one of the most all-round complete young footballers I have ever seen in my entire life. He's left foot, mm. right foot, central mid, centre half, left back, right back. He was that good. And I think you're seeing now the development of a very, very special footballer. He's been across to Serie A, which will no doubt have improved his... Um, awareness, tactical, you know, the the importance of being. I don't want to fall into cliches because Syria is not a defensive league. However, that's they okay. are they are very we'll, we'll fall into because you know, <laughs> that's absolutely untrue. But they are very tactically minded. They do a lot of shape work, a lot of tactics work. So you'll have benefited from that. Now playing in England, that will physical demands, pace, strength, organisation. I think he's going to be a really special player for Scotland. Mm. I really do. I think, and from from when he was sixteen. You've got a guy like Craig Levine saying, I've never seen anything like this yeah. kid. Yeah, he point, stuck him in the Scottish Cup final. He started him, yeah, didn't he? Yeah. When he was 16. Yes, yeah. yeah, so Craig Levine put, put him in for his first start in a Scottish Cup final. <laughs> yeah. That's how good he thought he was. Yeah. And he, played, he was brilliant. He no, did, I, within a, if I, I mean, I was covering that, that game and I think it was within about three minutes he had not made somebody on the left wing. He is just, he's no fear. Um, really a special player and... Um, it feeds into some really interesting questions, especially in that area of the pitch in terms of wing-backs and who exactly are Scotland's uh, you know, best defensive wide players. Will we have wing-backs going forward? After we how just good get rid of centre-backs. We don't need centre-backs. <laughs> exactly. you know, all full-backs. Uh, does, does Andy Robertson <laughs> even get in the Scotland team now? I mean, genuinely, you know, it, the team looked so good with this particular shape and this particular personnel that you find yourself with... Some really interesting questions to answer. Aye. What, what nice nice Scot- problems to I have, know. isn't it? What is it about Scotland just now in fullbacks? I don't know. We've got loads of them, haven't we? Aye. We changed... Well, the three-five-two was specifically to get Robertson and Tierney together. Yeah. Thankfully, he got rid of that last night when he realised Robertson wasn't there, which he hadn't done in the past and I think cost us. So now we've got Patterson and Hickey. Hickey, or Hickey can play on the left as well. Greg Taylor been good for Celtic this season mm-hmm. who else are we missing there's somebody that Gary uh, not Gary Gary Irvin Gary Irvin Anthony Anthony Ralston yes. yeah. of course yeah and trying to think maybe, there's another one as well. the, boy, the boy at Motherwell that was playing did a very good job but these guys Stephen are, O'Donnell yeah. Stephen O'Donnell yeah. Yeah. Stephen He's, Kingsley as well uh, at Hearts I, I, I don't know I'm maybe going soft but I, I, O'Donnell and Ralston I saw Ralston warming up um, when Parson got injured and understandably, it was, it was Hickey that got the nod. But I feel for these guys, because these guys have come in and done a really good job, but no disrespect to them whatsoever. There's two young guys that, ahead of them now that are really mm-hmm. playing at a different level. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, you, you, I, look at, I look at Patterson, uh, Hickey, Robertson and Tierney for that matter. They would be in any squad in yeah. the world. And and, and, and and taking the two on the right hand side, nothing seems to bother them, nothing seems to phase them. I mean, if you, if you take Parson, Parson had a difficult time when he went down to Everton at, uh, in January. He has to start the season because there are limited resources. It's probably been their best player. Mm-hmm. I, I thought as well watching the game, I bet you Frank Lampard's in a sweat, <laughs> yeah. seeing him going off. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the way the way he's playing, and he, these boys are just twenty, no, and, and, and they're just quality. It's terrific, and and it's the mental side of things as well, Tom. You've got to have the mentality to go and play at that level, have confidence and belief in your ability to go and play at that level. And 
you know, you've, you've, you must have touched on about six to eight guys who play in the in the wing-back areas. Um, there's a guy at Liverpool that Aberdeen sold, Calvin Ramsey, who's course, coming yeah. through the ranks as well. Yeah. So that's what I would so say. So Joe Gomez uh, yep. in the press raving yeah. about yeah. him yeah. while he's away with England. Alan, Alan touched on the fact that, Hickey, where do you play? Now, if that guy's got that in his locker, there could be a future for him permanently in the Scotland squad because if he can, a lot of these guys could be pigeonholed as, as wing-backs. That's, well, that's what we need. No, but <laughs> that's he, what we're missing. If he can play maybe a bit more central and be just as comfortable, yeah, yeah. could be the future for the, the country as well. But Alan, just, just to round off, is the danger though that you've got all these players and you end up by fitting them in, it's to the detriment of the team, which there is an argument with Robertson and Tierney. Mm -hmm. well, I think we've done that in the past and I think George makes a great point that <laughs> we almost fell into that trap of even when Andy Robertson wasn't there thinking oh we just need to stick with this shape even though it didn't particularly suit the, the players that were there so yeah I think now that we've got a shape and a system in terms of that high press and high energy um, four at the back formation I would be inclined to stick with that when it's suitable regardless of the personnel and See if Andy Robertson happens not to be your best left fullback, then he doesn't get in the team. Like that's how, you know, when Andy Robertson's not at his best form, Simicast comes into the Liverpool team. They don't say, "Why don't we play Andy Robertson somewhere else?" If you have good quality in certain positions, then that's what competition should bring. And if you're Andy Robertson and he's done this his entire career, you rise to that challenge and you put in performances of your life and you get back in that team. So. Yeah, I think there's a massive danger that we fall into that trap of just trying to get as many of your best players in the eleven as possible with the detriment of the shape and the system. And I would hope that the Ukraine game, if nothing else, was a really good lesson in terms of even if you don't have all of your best players on the pitch, you can still field an eleven that works as a unit even better than, than what went before. Well, I really think... Alan having said George made a good point we really have to finish there <laughs> put that one down in your diary if you like the podcast we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it or even better leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts all that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us don't forget to pick up your copy of the telly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or go to thetelly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>